Hey, he's Jake, and I'm Matt. And welcome to Pat's Chat, the UK's best New England Patriots podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to another episode of Patch Chat. It is just me, Matt, speaking to you right now, but I will be joined by a guest very, very shortly. If you have, obviously, you're listening to the episode, you will know because you'll see it from the title of the episode, who it is. Um, a lovely, very, very effervescent and wonderful lady she is. Um, so I'm not going to take up any more of your ear space right now. I'm just going to cut, cut straight to the chase and get to my chat with Tanya Ray Fox. So joining me now is the host of the Almost Shameless podcast. Um, She's formerly of the USA Today, the NFL Network, NBC Sports Boston, and now of Fox Sports. It is Tanya Ray Fox. How are you? I'm excellent, Matt. Thank you for having me on. It's really, really cool to be talking to an NFL fan that's not from the United States like this is really my first time ever talking to someone from the UK about the NFL and I didn't realize and so we even started talking before this record that I'm really excited about that like this is a huge (laughs) new experience for me and it's making me so happy so thank you for inviting me. Well, I think uh, Mike Debate has something to do with that because yeah. that was where I first um, heard you on the Locked On show that Mike does, and I do concur with him. Why are you not verified? I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. What the heck? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, that's actually it's a second for me, a, a first for you, if that makes sense, because earlier on, um, just before the season began, I was lucky enough to sit down and have a chat with Bob Sosi, and he said the very same thing to me, that it was the first international person he'd spoken to um, about football, so I've got two of them this season. And... Yes, you're you're breaking everyone's um, UK <laughs> NFL virginity. I was wondering if you would say that <laughs> word and you did so if, yeah fair enough <laughs> i i'm always gonna go there you i mean if you've heard me on mike debates podcast you know i'm gonna go there yeah exactly i mean, I mean who doesn't like an innuendo or, or just come out straight out and say it it's, straight out and say it, yeah. it, it's all fun isn't it <laughs> absolutely so about yourself before we get into the the patriots chat and the disaster that was last night um how did you get into sports? Was it something that you sat and watched on TV with your dad or something like that? Or, you know, what kind of intrigued you by it all when you were little and growing up and then made you think and it was a career that you wanted to take? Yeah, I was always, I was a little bit of a late bloomer because as a little girl growing up, obviously it's not necessarily fostered in you to love sports and my dad was a massive, massive sports fan. Like he was the biggest Boston sports fan alive. I mean, he genuinely, whether the teams were good or bad or, you know, anything in between, he was always really loyal. Um, But I didn't grow up with him in the house. So a lot of that was fostered if we saw him on the weekends and 
if there was, you know, like he definitely instilled that in me, but because we didn't have a lot of one-on-one -on -one time together, uh, it took me a longer time to develop it. And then once I hit high school and I realized I wanted to do journalism and I enjoyed writing, it was about figuring out what am I passionate about? And I had really great teachers, luckily, who fostered my desire to figure out what I wanted to write about. And right as I was getting into high school was right as the Patriots began winning Super Bowls. So I was 14 when they won the their first Super Bowl against the Rams. And all of a sudden, like Boston sports, the scene was buzzing. And I was able to kind of like tap into that side of myself. I had always played sports. I played soccer. I danced football. Sorry, I played football. <laughs> no, no. Uh, on <laughs> this podcast, we say soccer. So to differentiate so, okay. between the two, so we, so that's cool. So I played soccer growing up and I, and I was a competitive dancer. So I was athletic myself and it just kind of all fell into place. And I had luckily, again, like, even though I was a bit of a late bloomer, I had great friends around me who wanted to engage and didn't you know, didn't kind of block me out from being a part of the scene and watching the games with the guys and things like that. So I always felt it was something that I could do. And so by the time I was in college, I knew 100% I wanted to go into sports media. And I kind of went from there. And I just, it got, I got a little bit lucky that I landed an internship that turned into my first job. And then I never turned back. Well, that's, I think, uh, as good a way as any is, you know, show that you're willing and willing is by doing internships a lot of the time and so then you know you meet people you network and then hurrah you can get a job so it's you know but it's not just about sitting back and hoping that things fall in your lap is it it's actually like getting out there and doing the 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 hard graft uh, if you will but the burning question is you've mentioned soccer where are you or were you any good yeah i was i was actually probably better at soccer than I was at dance. I was competitive in both of those things. But by the time I was about 17, my competitive dance teacher said, you have to choose essentially like you can't be playing soccer and competitive dance because it's too, you're risking injury and we're trying to like stay healthy for these competitions. So I chose dance, but if looking back on it, I genuinely think I was better at soccer, I am tall, I have long legs, I had a lot of endurance, I could run, I played midfield mostly, which was like, always, I was always in the mix, you know, had a couple hat tricks in my day. Um, nice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was ever going to go and be like a major college superstar or anything. But I think I was, I think I was decent. I would think if I was going to give myself a, a letter grade, I'd say I was like a B plus. Ah, that, that's pretty good then. I can't, yeah, can't, yeah. can't argue with that. Yeah, sure. No, no, Juliet or Alex Morgan, but you know, no. you could get there if, <laughs> if you if your stupid dance teacher didn't say choose one or the other. <laughs> Maybe we never know. So do, do you do you follow the 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 soccer in general, or do you just take an interest in the women's game when it's the World Cups and things? Or well, I always um, as a kid, I even when I was like little, um, I like my favorite athletes ever were the 1998 women's or 99 women's world cup team that, you know, the Mia Hamm and Mia Hamm was my favorite athlete for a very long time and throughout my childhood. So I was always really into women's soccer because I played and because they were good. And then, um, I started watching premier league. Um, I've never been a big MLS fan 
even though I did watch a lot of Revs games when I was living in Boston. Uh, I started watching Premier League a lot about eight years ago, then came off it a little bit. And then in the last like five or six years, my fiance is a huge Everton fan because he and his, um, he and his friend just like, they really loved soccer and watching, you know, Premier League and whatever it was coming up. And they chose Everton like nine or 10 years ago, I think just because Tim Thomas was, or not Tim Thomas, I'm sorry. Tim Howard. Tim Howard, yes. Tim, yeah. Tim Thomas was the goalie for the Bruins. Tim mm-hmm. Howard was the goaltender <laughs> for Everton. And they weren't like a favorite team. Like they weren't, at the time, they weren't United or um, Chelsea or one of the really like popular teams, but they were still a team that wasn't, you know, worried about relegation. So they tried to pick their spot and be cool. So now I'm an Everton fan. Long story short, we watch almost every Everton game. Fair enough. Like that, that's as good a reason as any. I was, uh, you've had Howard obviously in uh, Landon Donovan's uh, done a couple of stints at Everton as well. So you've got the the connection there. And the, I think it's it's taken someone like Christian Pulisic or um, Giovanni Reina in the Bundesliga, someone like that, that needs to like now kick on and push the game because, as you say, like even my impression is that a lot of um, fans of soccer will jump towards European soccer and not to, even though it's obviously in your own backyard, but it's just that slight difference that we, I don't know what it is. Like it's actually starting to grow a bit more here as well. Cause sky sports show the games quite often. Yeah. I stayed up late watching the, the revs last weekend. Um, unfortunately that didn't pan out. I know. The way I wanted, but you know, first time in, five years is it since they were in the playoffs so yeah 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 not was, too bad yeah I mean I think the biggest thing is that there's so so many um sports is such a big part of American culture and because soccer isn't the most popular sport in America so many of the young athletes that would be incredible soccer players end up playing a different sport so they're going and they're you know becoming you know wide receivers and point guards and rather than having soccer sort of whereas in Europe obviously the biggest thing you could possibly do with your life as an athlete is be a soccer player Mm. Uh, or I guess you guys have like rugby and cricket and like things like that but I mean it's not it's just not on the level of a famous soccer player no definitely you're you're well from my opinion my perspective anyway you're you're right because it's in Scotland it's the national game it's what takes over a lot the the time and the the sports papers and and things so that's that's it is what it is but you know before we jump into the last work question I want to ask before we get into the the Patriots um chat was about uh, your Instagram video I saw the other day and I thought it was quite poignant and quite a powerful message that you're trying to um portray to anyone that follows you on Instagram and across social media in general um and it's something I've become admittedly more passionate about in the last couple of years, almost three years now, because my daughter will be three next month, is that I would like her to be in a world where it is more accepted and it's not male and female. We are just all sports fans. We are all just, um, you know, yourself being a sports writer. You're not a female sports writer. You're just sports writer. Um, how, is there anything 
behind that? Is it your experiences and things that you've come across that might be like you've had guys being chauvinistic and things like that that spurred you on to create such a video? Yeah, I mean, of course, there's my own experiences coming up through sports media. And, you know, anytime you're um, a minority in your field, whether it's a racial minority or a gender minority, um, you know, you're going to face implicit bias, you're going to face actual, you know, prejudice, like that's just the way of the world. So I've definitely experienced that. I think it's made me a stronger person, a better person. A better person because I've learned so much about myself and about um, the you know that it's that kind of stuff that adversity that you live through where you're like am I meant to be doing this can I handle do I love this enough to put up with a lot of the adversity that comes with being a woman in sports and the answer was always yes so I spin that into a positive but I also don't think it's something that I want for generations of women coming up after me to enter this field as such an extreme minority and to be doubted even, even by the people that they work with, even by sometimes the people who hire them. Right. And there it, you know, it starts with that, but it, but the real catalyst for the video was the idea that, you know, for fans, for women who aren't in sports media, who don't have a check mark on their Twitter or they don't have, you know, Fox Sports in their bio and they don't have this, you know, portfolio of work that proves they know about sports, which I do have. So I get less, I get less, uh, you know, cr I guess less of, less of that criticism. People are less skeptical of me because I'm in mm -hmm. the industry. But regular sports fans, people who are fans who have jobs and lives and just love football or love soccer or love basketball or whatever it is, as women, they like it's the fans that get the worst of it. Like just going to sit down and watch a game, going to a friend's house and, you know, and there's a bunch of, you know, maybe there's some new people there that you're meeting and you're in those situations. And that's where it's always uncomfortable. You're always asked to explain why you like sports mm. how much do you actually know about sports who you know what inspired you to be into sports all these questions that men are asked because it's a it's implied that men will grow up liking sports and if they don't it's actually it's actually weirder men kind of get the reverse where if they don't like sports they have to explain that too <laughs> right so it's like it's this very weird thing where it's like we are that i just feel you know it, it was spurred on by comments made by a broadcaster about the fanatical sports fans in, in Pittsburgh for the Steelers and how knowledgeable they were. And this shock that the women were so knowledgeable and had all these amazing questions to ask. And I just felt that that was so upsetting to hear that there was this surprise that women's brains comprehend a game. <laughs> The way that everyone else is doing. And I know that there's a little more of that in football because women just don't play American football, but most American football fans don't play American football yeah. either. And if they did, they did it as children. So that's really what it is. It's just like reminding people that, at, that you're probably going to think this because we've grown up in a world where this is, whether it's being said, out to, said to you out loud or not, you've been brought up to think about sports in a masculine way. 
So it just takes a lot of work to untrain your brain. And you have, you know, you're talking about your daughter, like, this is a good way to like, it's going to give you all of the tools to practice until it's, until it's no longer even in the back of your head anymore. All that implicit, implicit bias that was in you growing up, around you growing up, and has seeped in through our entire culture will change because you're just trying, because you're putting in the work and realizing that that bias is there. And that's something that we've had to do with Black Lives Matter. It's something that we've had to do in a lot of different social movements is to remind ourselves that there is prejudice and bias that we have that seeped through to us because of the world that we live in. And we have to acknowledge that and push against it actively until it's no longer something we fall back on. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And um, I don't know if you've seen it, but there is a, I can um, tag in the tweet or tweet it to you after we, we've finished. But there's um, Jeff Reinbold comes over here every um sort of after Thanksgiving every year right, right up until the Super Bowl does the coverage over here in the UK and we've got one of the um, sports presenters Hannah Wilkes that does an NFL show on a Tuesday night and there was Hannah and Phoebe Schechter who was doing some coaching roles at the Buffalo Bills the last couple of seasons and Jeff actually was like welling up on film because um, you know he was just saying that like like women like them and women like yourself in in general um you know as you say it's just paving a way and it's we're in we're in 2020s crap a year it has been it's just it's nice that women are starting to get recognition and for me personally I know like being over here in the UK it's definitely starting to come through more but I've I mean I've I've still got friends that say oh well it's just the token girl that's on the show or you know it's the legs or whatever term you want to use sort of thing and I'm just like well no they you know like there's um Alex Scott I'm not sure if you're familiar with her she's played over 100 times for England Mm -hmm. um you know, she's now doing, I think she is actually doing some American coverage um, for the Champions League football and stuff like that. She, she's she been pushed into a lot of roles now. Not pushed, but, you know, she's earned them. But uh, the guys that I'm friends with and you see online and stuff, it's like, oh, well, it's just her. She's just, I was like, well, no, she's she's been in locker rooms and things. She's, you know, played for her country countless times she's won numerous trophies with the clubs that she's played for that she was I think for her for, for for me anyway that I think the break she got was she was on Strictly Come Dancing or you know, Dancing with the Stars oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um last year I think it was so it just showed it showed her as a personality rather than just a sports person right. so now consequently th- things have snowballed and good for her you know you you get you use what you can and get take the breaks when they come to you and but yeah that clip I'll I can um, share it with you and it was just it's just really nice to for for me I guess as to see that because it's been recognized by males as well as just females absolutely and um with the other thing I was going to say was in America, I find it quite surprising that, you know, you, you women still get so much flack for it because for, from my perspective and one, one of my other friends I speak to um, who's similar minded that, you know, it's females are everywhere between your 
talk shows and your your sports shows. You've got Kay Adams, obviously, is practically like coming across as head of the network with her and Colleen. And, you know, it just seems natural to us and to us that more women coming on our TV screens is almost like an Americanism because we're so used to it from seeing it through the football side of things. It's just, to us, it's just a, a bit of a bizarre concept that, you know, that it's still a minority because it comes across from you guys' television through Fox and CBS and things that there are so many women working, well, apparently working, that even though it's still a minority, as you say, it's just a bit strange. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I mean, I think part of it too is you're, what you're seeing is like there's there are more and more women on TV, um, but behind the scenes, they're still outnumbered like 20 to one, you oh, know, okay. the amount yeah, of yeah. women producers, the amount of women editors and stage, you know, directors and everybody behind the scenes. And then even in the roles that they are on TV, it's like, we're finally with people like Mina Kimes and women like that who are analysts. That's finally becoming something that women are allowed to do other than just host um, or serve as the, you know, mediator between two male analysts like Mm -hmm. finally we're starting to get more of that someone like Kay is allowed to like branch out and be a part of the panel in a way that that we weren't before so that's like been some progress as well but yeah the whole industry you know what you see on tv is just the final product you know and there's a whole industry behind it that's supporting it and that's where a lot of it is still you know uh happening as well Mm. i saw the kate abdo um tweet the other day that she that was the first time ever she'd done a tv production with a female um head producer yeah i'm just like yeah. wow she's been what, through countless countries from the middle east to america done various shows and that's the first time that in all her careers to date that she's had a, a head producer that's a female it's it did I think it's just my naive mind sometimes. It's just a bit mind-boggling. And, you know, you've got... Uh, I watched that um, show. Is it Good Morning, was it? The um, one with Jennifer Aniston that kind of portrayed the same thing, you know? Although yeah. you had these female producers and runners and them being, like, anchors on the, the breakfast show, you still had the guy at the top that was basically like, you know, come and service me and I'll I'll get your foot in the door. It's like... Oh. I know. I know. But it's nice that you have a pure heart and that you envision a world <laughs> where we are all not doing that to each other. And that's like, good. The, the fact that you are maybe a little naive about it only means that you can't really imagine that it's some, any other way. And when you are reminded of that, you bring people on to talk to them about it. I mean, you're doing, this is what people should be doing. Like you saw my video, you're seeing these tweets, you're seeing all this stuff. And so we're talking about it and you're like being open about it and having a dialogue. And I, that's, I mean, that's it's what people would say is an ally, right? Like mm. you're doing as much as you can to learn more about it and to be a, a supporter of women's voices in your own way. And that's exactly what you should be doing. And you are, and that's great. Well, I'll, t- I'll try my best. Uh, that's all I can promise you. <laughs> so if we flip it and actually get onto some Pat's Chat, since that's the name of the actual podcast. Yeah. Um, last night, where, what was that? And secondly, I'll let you follow on in your own speed, is where are you sitting on the Cam versus Stidham or is there a versus Stidham um, narrative to be written just now? 
so as far as last night goes, I think it was uh, a lot of things, but I'll boil it down to the basics, which is um, they were on short rest. They haven't been home from Los Angeles since they played the Chargers on Sunday. So they have been in LA for about, I think it's been like, yeah, about eight days. They had been about eight days in Los Angeles by yesterday. Um, so they're across the coast. They're on the road. It is what it is. We know how that is when you're on the road anyway. Um, they're on short rest, which again, not an excuse, just, okay, we're on there. And then the Rams, I, I've been saying this a little bit on my own podcast as well as like the Rams are probably the most underrated team all season in the NFC. And they ran into a buzzsaw. Sean McVay had an ax to grind <laughs> to get back, you know, but over the Super Bowl, Aaron Donald is, was back. He was in prime form, right? Um, the linebackers could not pick up the run. So the Rams are a pass heavy offense. McVay schemed a run heavy offense yesterday, knowing that the, that's not what Belichick wanted him to do. Um, and the linebackers are not, I mean, we know that the Patriots rush defense isn't great. Their, their, you know, bread and butter is in the secondary. So, I mean, Cooper cup was, you know, Cooper cup and Robert Woods, both are, are normally a nightmare. And yesterday they had a couple good plays, but for the most part, they were not shredding the Patriots by any means. Right. Mm. So there's, there's that weakness that a very good offensive coach exploited and then they're on the offensive side, you know, there is a massive you – know, people forget that right now Cam is – he lost Rex Burkhead, who was the most efficient, productive operator on that offense in terms of weapons. And we're still without Julian Edelman on that side of the ball. If, they're, if you're going to have the best pass rusher, like interior pass rusher in the, in the history of the NFL probably, but certainly in the last 20 years – and you're going to have a your Isaiah win out of, out of the offensive line. Cam, one thing he's never been good at is feeling pressure around him. He doesn't sense pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, you you watch Tom Brady for long enough, you realize he can sense pressure in ways that are almost otherworldly. Like they're inhuman. He never he always felt it around him and moved out of it. And Cam's the exact opposite. He never feels it. So as soon as the pocket collapses on him. He, it's over. It's just not in his 4K. So you pair that with Isaiah Wynn being out of the line last night, and then you have the best interior pass rusher we've seen in, in our lifetimes, right? And it was a, and it was all kind of fell apart. And so there's all these little things that had to go right in order for the Patriots to win that game, and they all went wrong. And that's what I saw. Um, when it comes to the cam... Stidham debate I think it's not even a question Cam Newton has had so many bright moments in this season we've seen what he can do with his legs we've seen what we can, what he can do when Josh McDaniel's play calling is working to his advantage he has a very high uh, completion percentage this year compared to his career average he's completing about 66 percent of his passes which is the same as someone like Kyler Murray who is also a very mobile quarterback um he is, I mean, he is the greatest running quarterback in the history of the NFL. That's not a question. And he is a former MVP. So if you see a player like that, who's healthy and he's not healthy, he was struggling with an abdomen issue last night. If you see him struggling in, in a season where 
there was no OTAs. There were no preseason workouts, off-season workouts. There was no preseason games. Four seasons, four games into the season, he's out with COVID. There's no, you're talking about putting this guy into a brand new system and basically working with it on the fly, then losing his biggest weapon, then losing his second biggest weapon. And we're wondering why they can't develop a rhythm, Mm. but the answers are all there. So to me, it's that they have the quarterback. They don't have this season. They just don't have the pieces together right now to make that run. But I think personally that they would not only be stupid to go to Jarrett Stidham right now, but they would be stupid to let Cam move on next year. I think they need a full off season and preseason to retool the offense, knowing what they can do with Cam. And I genuinely think that it could be something really special if McDaniels can get on board with what Cam's strengths are, which is, He's actually more accurate than people think. He's a better downfield passer than people think. And he is an absolute monster in the red zone on the ground. Yeah. I mean, you you put across a strong case. Um, I can't argue with that because I think there's just this, a lot of hyperbole around the whole thing. And we've obviously moved on from, you know, who, and this was always going to be a tumultuous season, you know, it should just be a case of we just take it game by game, we ride it out. It is what it is. You know, we end up with a four and twelve record or an eight and eight record. It is what it is. You know, but after so much years of success, and it doesn't necessarily have to come through the Super Bowls. It's the division titles runs. It's the AFC Championship runs. It's you know we've not always got to the big dance, but we've always been there or thereabouts in the last twenty years, and to then. And pretty much fall off a cliff essentially in a lot of people's eyes it just seems to be too much to take in a lot of instances I think and you know we've flip-flopped it back and forth on on, on the show uh, week to week and going you know is is it this is it that is it this is it that but I think it just pretty much boils down to that I mean I've never been the biggest in bill we trust person because you can't just lump it all on one guy. I mean, we've related it to Arsenal and Arsene Wenger and a lot of years, the Arsenal fans was in Arsene we trust and, you know, they were plodding along and getting fourth place in the Premier League and it's not what Arsenal were used to, especially at the beginning of his career with, with them as a club. But, you know, he sees the practice field every day. He sees what Cam can do. He sees what Jarrett can do. And in this instance, I think we just have to inbuild we trust on this occasion because we've not had um, the preseason that we should have got. We've not had the OTAs and everything else that came with it. He was even a late signing. So we didn't, you know, up until the ninth, 10th, 11th hour, um, we all thought that Jarrett Stidham was the guy going into the season. Then all of a sudden you get a guy that's a million quid and change and you that a former MVP, like how can you not snap that up? And right. I, I think what you said there about his downfield passing is the thing that gets me. We saw that um, throw to Nikhil Harry last night. We can, that's exactly what he was drafted for. They've not utilized it that much. They've tried to turn him into a pass blocker for some reason that's just not working out. And it's all these like screens and, you know, passes between five and 10 yards to try and get the first down and the second and third try rather than just going right 
Demir, go for it. There's your 40 yard right. run. Harry, you take on that corner. You're big, you're sturdy, you'll get there. Um, jump up and catch it like you did last night. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I think we've just got to ride it out for the rest of the year and then, you know, see what next year brings, essentially, is probably where I'm falling on after last night, especially. Yeah. And I definitely think that, you know, defensively, the team is really impressive considering the losses that they took in their, from their starters and the opt-outs, even the offensive line, you know, losing Marcus Cannon in an opt-out is so it's such a major, you know, difference maker in terms of like what they're capable of, you know, what you're, what you're supposed to be capable of, you know, bringing to the table as a starting team in the first couple games, they were missing a starting offensive lineman. There's a starting, you know, the fullback who was supposed to (laughs) take over for James Devlin. He opts out just taking Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower off the the starting defense is you, I mean, have you even missed Patrick Chung? Really? Every (laughs) once in a while, you're like, maybe he could have covered this tight end. And I love Patrick Chung. Mm. You know what I mean? You see the absence of Dante Hightower, but We've always, the Patriots have always had a Dante Hightower. They'll find the next one. Hmm. They will retool those young linebackers and things will be okay. Transition year, they didn't used to happen with Tom Brady because he was the greatest of all time and there were no COVID seasons and there were no opt-outs and there were none of these things. This is a, this is a year that's tough to swallow, like you said, but I don't see critical deficiencies from Bill Belichick or from the personnel I don't see breakdowns that shouldn't have happened. And that gives me a feeling that next year there's still a chance to keep this team in contention rather than having to completely start from scratch. Mm, yeah. Again, I can't disagree. You, you come across with a strong argument. That's, um, it is, it's just one of those things, I think. I, I think I saw one of your tweets today, was it, that someone was trying to argue with you. And I... I agree. We've spoken about it on here that I think there's a whole side of this playbook that McDaniels just hasn't even opened up. It's just covered in dust for some yeah. reason. He's still trying to play under this like sort of pocket passer thing. It's like, hello, you haven't got one of these anymore. <laughs> you know, let's try and do something a bit different here. And there was times he tried to do that different with Brady and it didn't work out. So, you know, it's like try to fit a square peg in a round hole almost, isn't it? It's, it's so crazy because what Kyle Shanahan has done and some of what Cliff Kingsbury is doing with Kyler Murray um, and even some of what they're doing with Lamar Jackson, like these other guys who are running RPOs, they're, the blueprint is there. Like, Josh, but you've won many Super Bowls. Like, you're one of the premier offensive minds in the league. You have to adapt. And that's what makes Andy Reid a – first ballot hall of fame coach is that over the years he has adapted and created systems that work for a brand new type of quarterback that we literally didn't have in this league six years ago. And now he has created, he's created a blueprint for that type of offense. He's revolutionized offense the same way that Bill Belichick has done with defense multiple times. And so time for you to start getting on board because the Josh McDaniels way with Tom Brady won six Super Bowls and now it's over. So his inability to adapt is either going to, I mean, that, that has to either be addressed in the off season and they have to decide that they can move forward with him 
as a guy willing to make changes with a mobile quarterback or they have to go in a different direction. Yeah, that's literally what I was about to ask you about um, was what they do with him. Um, yeah. I've seen some people suggest that it might be time to get Matt Patricia back in, and um, but I'm not. Yeah, exactly. That's my reaction to um, it's it's no, 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 no. Oh, my God. I don't understand. Do people not? I guess people, um, because they won Super Bowls with Matt Patricia um, and they forget that like that a lot of that defense was bend but don't break. Remember how we kept talking about that for years? Bend but don't break. Bend, but... And so they would stop with people within the 20s, but it was a disaster in between. And then we saw the massive step forward with Brian Flores in 2018. And I don't understand how you can see that what Flores and Belichick and Steve Belichick were able to do and decide and think that you'd want Matt Patricia back. I don't know why people think that's a good idea. I, I, Lord, I pray that does not happen. <laughs> I mean, you can see what um, he's doing in Miami now. They're, they've just come on to such a, a game and their defense is getting better and better every every game that goes past. They've got the interception leader in the league. And, you know, it's people want to get promoted. They want to move on. They want to better themselves. But it's been a detriment to us. Um, for sure, losing him la- um, oh, last couple brutal. of years. <laughs> I, well, and that's the thing is, like he he deserves that opportunity. And I, I and defensively, I genuinely do think that the Belichicks have done a, a good job of keeping some continuity um, in place. And I do think that Steve Belichick is doing a good job with the with the play calling on that defense this year, especially because they haven't had much help from the offense in terms of time of possession and helping with points and things like that. I I I'm impressed with it. I feel good about their trajectory right now. I think bringing in someone, even someone, a, a new defensive coordinator who's like a veteran might be the wrong move because their defensive identity right now is so, it's so focused on what Belichick does as with the secondary and with developing his linebackers that, uh, you know, I know it seems like nepotism, but Steve really gets it. And, it, and it's a system that works. Even last night, you know, one of those, one of those Rams touchdowns was a pick six. It wasn't on the offense. Mm-hmm. The Patriots defense did a good job of limiting a very difficult offense to limit. And these are things we don't look at when we're experiencing a really bad, embarrassing loss. But realistically, they did a pretty good job last night, and they have for most of the season. And that's really a remarkable feat considering what they've lost and how this season, the trajectory of the season. I really am encouraged by that. The only thing that is kind of a bummer is some of those guys are getting old. You know, the McCordys are getting old. Yeah. Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower could retire for all we know, you know. Um, so there's going to be a little turnover. Things are going to happen. I personally, they, their ability to, to develop defensive backs is impressive uh, enough that I'm, I'm not too worried. No, neither am I. It's just, well, I think the off season will, will obviously tell us a lot with, whether Patrick Chung and Hightower does, you know, if they both decide, to, especially as we we were um, chatting about before about the whole COVID situation, if it c- continues to linger around um, like you th- you think it might do, then um, you, they might want opt out and just go, actually, no, we've had enough. You know, we're at an age now, we've won enough, we've earned enough, we can just retire gracefully and thanks, thanks very much. But sayonara, that's us, we're out the door. Um, but the last thing I wanted to ask you before you go was on the season in general, 
we potentially, you know, could finish out eight and eight or something like that. Is it something that you thought might happen? Was it something you'd be happy enough with, you know, if you were to sit in a couple of months time and reflect back on it? Or is it a, annoying because we have come so close in games like against the Seahawks and the Bills and the we pro, you know, probably could have beat the Chiefs if we had um, Cam under centre instead of Brian Hoyer. Is it those sort of niggly things that you would reflect back on and think, well, we could have had a 10 and 6 season or something like that? Or, you know, are you happy enough to what is, you know, it is what it is and the a 500 season is kind of what was expected beforehand and that's what we've ended up with. So happy days. I mean, I think there's a couple close games that are going to remain disappointing. And I, I, it's hard to, the cam fumble at the end of the bills game is like, is going to haunt me for a while. Again, we don't know if he would have scored, but there's like these moments in time where you look and you say like, Oh, this, they almost had it there. Like you said, there were these couple close games. So I would have liked to see a nine and seven or a 10 and six season that keep them in the playoff hunt, you know, toward the end, even if, you know, a lot of this has to do with the fact that we had no idea the dolphins were going to be as good as they were all are already that we, you know, that's a huge, that's a huge uh, surprise to a lot of people that he, that they're as far along as they are, even with Tua still developing, um, and the Bills being like a legitimate juggernaut is was that was on the table, but it remains to be seen, right? So all of a sudden, the AFC East is a really competitive division. The Patriots are not in the position that they're used to. So you finish the season 500. Maybe they play spoiler to this to the Dolphins. You know, maybe they can if they could win another one or two marquee games at the end of this season and make themselves relevant in the playoff mix. Even if they're not, even if they're not making the playoffs, you know they're playing the Bills again. That's going to affect the seeding for that team if they can beat them. They're playing the Dolphins again. At this point, it's so competitive they could help knock the Dolphins out of the playoffs, depending on what happens with the Raiders and the Browns and the Ravens. And you know, it's there's a lot of teams in that mix. So they still these last four games are not to be thrown away. What they can do and how, what the, the statement they can make about uh, about their future moving forward is still on the table. And there's a lot of character to be developed in the final quarter of this season. So I don't want to write it off as irrelevant. If they finish eight and eight, I would be. It's almost like the record matters less to me than how they like genuinely perform in these games that have consequences for playoff contention and everything else like show me what you're willing to fight for at the end of the season where it's there's been adversity because that's what we saw in that 11 and 5 season with the Matt Castle years we saw a team that like fought all the way till the end and they didn't make the playoffs in a really crazy way 11 and 5 team not making the playoffs (laughs) is insane so but they fought all the way till the end with Matt Castle and they that team was still insane they had Randy Moss and Wes Welker and they had, I mean, that team was pretty stacked, but they had, you know, that was just a random year where the Dolphins were just like bizarrely good. Right. And they bounced back the next year. They got Tom Brady back and things were fine. I feel like it would take a complete meltdown in these last four games for me to feel genuinely concerned about the future of the Patriots moving forward. 
if if they can hold on and put out a good good showing and that defense can keep showing up and the young linebackers can make some plays and Cam can get in a in a decent rhythm and we can see a little bit more uh play calling from Josh McDaniels. If we see a little bit of that, that's all I need. Mm. Eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven, all the same to me as as long as we get that. Yeah, I think the the Dolphins last season they went on a run towards the end and I think that a lot of people attribute that to what we've then seen this year that they've just kicked on and went to the next level I mean as you say I don't think anyone could have really predicted they would have pushed on this quickly especially when they decided to change so early to put um, two under centre um, I think I had them at six and ten or something was my prediction for the year um, but yeah that's I'm, I would say the same as you. As long as we can see tangibles, we can see progression, we can see where things potentially will go next year, especially if they, they stick with Cam and they, they say, right, we're going to offer him a, a deal that's team-friendly, we'll keep him for a couple of years and until we can draft someone that's better than what we have or you know that, that kind of thing. I think if we can get that out of the rest of the season, because I can't see all the the chips falling our way and all the cards going with the weekend's um, schedule and us then having enough to get into the playoffs. I can't see it, but I might be wrong. But yeah, I think the same as you, if we can see these things develop in, in front of us and you know we might see a bit more expansion in the playbook and it's not wildcat plays or flea flickers that seem almost like desperation in times and games right. that we've seen we actually want to see something that's a bit more meaningful and in that sort of thing and yeah i i would uh, have to agree with you tanya it's definitely the way to go in in my opinion rather than this crazy hot take world we seem to live in and in the twitterverse and things like that isn't it um yeah. but i've i've rambled on enough there um but it's been absolutely great to to chat to you um this evening thank you very much for your time but just before you go you know um tell everyone where they can find your podcast where they get you on twitter and all, all the rest of it yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Tanya Ray Fox, super easy to find. The Almost Shameless podcast is also uh, Shameless TRF on Twitter and Instagram. You can listen to Almost Shameless on like every platform, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm always tweeting. So, you know, follow me there. That's where I'm like updating my content the most. Lots of videos and things like that. So um yeah twitter and instagram specifically is that and then it's subscribed to almost shameless which is fun it's just me I keep it short usually like 25 to 30 minutes very easy and digestible you can do it while you're getting ready for work um i try to make it you know keep it flowing really quickly because i it is just me most of the time every once in a while there's a guest but i like the sound of my own voice so you know <laughs> um but yeah that's where you can find me thank you matt for having me on it was like genuinely really fun to do this i'm actually in massachusetts so time wise i didn't have to make you do this with me at like three o'clock in the morning which is good <laughs> um so thank you so much this was great no thanks again and you're more than welcome on anytime you want awesome thank you we will talk soon and my thanks goes out once again to tanya ray fox that was a lovely, lovely chat I had with her the other day. She was 
absolutely brilliant and it was great she gave up her time to speak to me and us here at Patch Jack. The weather has not got any better since you last heard from us um, earlier in the week. We are in a new week coming up just ever so shortly. Um, probably it will be a new week by the time you listen to this. Um, it's At the time of recording we've still got slim slim chance of getting to the playoffs even though I I still don't think there are too many permutations to um, overcome and it's out with her hands completely to get there but you never know Um, hopefully this statement becomes quickly outdated and we actually manage to get the playoffs in two three weeks time when we're ringing in the new year uh, of 2021 and forgetting about the shit show that has been 2020 well, that is it for this episode of Patch Chat, guys. Um, thank you very much for tuning in, as always. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Chat to us on Twitter, chat to us on Instagram, share us on your stories, etc. If you want to do that, it's at UK for the Instagram and the Twitter. Come chat to us there um, and all that good stuff. If you want to speak to us individually and add us individually, it's at Matt Inkster for myself and at Jake Paul Design. Um, He won't mind me saying this. If you go to Jake's Twitter, I think um, there is a link to his his new YouTube channel he has started. He is a creative person. He is a graphic designer in the sports world. Not in... um, not an NFL, sadly for him at the moment, but that may come in the future. But if you're into graphics and you just like what he does in general here at Patch Chat, you know, go, go on over to his Twitter, find the, the link to his, or, or just go straight to YouTube and search for uh, Jake Paul Design. You'll find his YouTube channel. There's a couple of videos up there. So go give him a, a little like and a subscribe and things because um, you might... You might be a graphic designer yourself, you might not be, but it is, uh, it's always appreciated to support myself and Jake here at the um, podcast in any way, shape or form. So yeah, go do that folks, if, as well as rate, review and subscribe for us. Come chat to us on Instagram and Twitter and word of mouth is as good as any. Um, just tell all your Patriots mates that, you know, we... As far as my best of my knowledge is, we are still the only um, Patriots podcast here in the UK. So, it, you know, let's all support each other in one, one way or another and get through the last couple of weeks. That is 2020 and here's to um, a happy new year, hopefully. Um, but more about that as the time comes closer to ringing in the bells. So anyway, folks, that is it for now from myself, Matt Inkster, um, and you'll probably hear from Jake next time on the podcast. But until then, we'll speak to you soon.